0: Did you know in one year alone, 475,000 Americans die from a cardiac arrest? Globally, cardiac arrest claims more lives than colorectal cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, influenza, pneumonia, audio accidents, HIV, firearms, and house fires combined. More than 350,000 cardiac arrests occur outside of the hospital each year. In 2015, any mentioned sudden cardiac arrest mortality in the U.S. was 366,807. CPR, especially if administered immediately after cardiac arrest, can double or triple a person's chance of survival about 90% of people who experience an out of hospital cardiac arrest will die we need you guys help we need bystander's help we need your help by you learning CPR so that if you are a bystander that you can help those victims CPR is an emergency life saving procedure CPR, or cardiopulmonary resuscitation, it is performed when a heart stops beating. Immediate CPR can double or triple chances of survival after a cardiac arrest. So today, we're going to talk about the new updates related to CPR. This is Nurse Terry, and I am back again to talk to you a little bit more about it. Except I'm going to let ProCPR video from YouTube um, run its course and talk to you about it. Um, This guy, he's very articulate. I really, really like ProCPR. And I know you guys um, heard me say that before. Not just because I'm one of their affiliates, but I am one of their affiliates because they do an excellent job of explaining things to you. This podcast will run about 15 minutes or so. The video is about 11 minutes or so. Feel free to fast forward if you like. However, it is valuable information that you may need to learn how to do CPR and or the updates related to CPR. So, what I'm going to do is go ahead and start the video. And you guys can listen to him while he explains the new 2020 updates um, from American Heart Association guidelines.
1: Now we're going to cover a summary or highlights of the latest information in the 2020 American Heart Association Emergency Cardiovascular Care Guidelines that were published at the end of October of 2020. Now, even with all of the changes and improvements in the recent years, the American Heart states that less than 40% of adults receive layperson-initiated CPR, and actually fewer than 12% have an AED applied to them prior to EMS's arrival. There hasn't been a significant improvement in survival rates since 2012 for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. While out-of-hospital survival rates remain about the same, the good news is, in-hospital cardiac arrest outcomes have continued to improve. So first, let's discuss the new recommendations for lay rescuer CPR and basic life support. Now let's look at early initiation of CPR by lay rescuers. Lay persons should initiate CPR for presumed cardiac arrest because the risk of harm to the patient is low if the patient is not in cardiac arrest. Why do we make this statement? Well, new evidence shows that the risk of harm to a victim who receives chest compressions when they're not in cardiac arrest is quite low. Lay rescuers are usually not able to determine with accuracy whether a victim has a pulse, and the risk of withholding CPR from a pulseless victim exceeds the harm from unneeded chest compressions. Lay persons should receive training in how to respond to victims of opioid overdose including the administration of naloxone. In regard to real-time audiovisual feedback, this was really unchanged and reaffirmed. It may be reasonable to use audiovisual feedback devices during CPR for real-time optimization of CPR performance. Now let's cover care and support during recovery, which is a vital and important piece to how to handle all of the things that encompass a rescuer whether they're lay rescuer or professional when it comes to providing CPR to a loved one or a patient. Debriefings and referral for follow-up for emotional support whether they're a lay rescuer, EMS provider or a hospital-based healthcare worker after a cardiac arrest event is definitely beneficial. Care and support during recovery included three new recommendations. One, Cardiac arrest survivors should have a multimodal rehabilitation assessment and treatment for physical, neurological, cardiopulmonary, and cognitive impairments before discharge from the hospital. Secondly, cardiac arrest survivors and their caregivers should receive comprehensive multidisciplinary discharge planning to include medical and rehabilitative treatment recommendations and return to activity or work expectations. Thirdly, structured assessment should be given for anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, and fatigue for cardiac arrest survivors and their caregivers. Next, let's look at cardiac arrest in pregnancy. Because pregnant patients are more prone to hypoxia, oxygenation and airway management should be prioritized during resuscitation from cardiac arrest in pregnancy. Now, Because of potential interference with maternal resuscitation, Fetal monitoring should not be undertaken during cardiac arrest in pregnancy. Next, let's look at pediatric rescue breathing. For infants and children with a pulse, but absent or inadequate respiratory effort, it is reasonable to give one breath every two to three seconds, or about 20 to 30 breaths per minute. The rate was increased from the old standard of one breath every three to five seconds. Now let's look at pediatric opioid overdose. There were three updated recommendations under this topic alone. For patients in respiratory arrest, rescue breathing or bag mask ventilation should be maintained until spontaneous breathing returns and standard pediatric BLS measures should continue if return of spontaneous breathing does not occur. Secondly, for a patient with suspected opioid overdose who has a definite pulse but no normal breathing or only gasping, like in respiratory arrest. In addition to providing standard pediatric BLS, it's also reasonable for responders to administer intramuscular or intranasal naloxone. Lastly, for patients known or suspected to be in cardiac arrest, in the absence of a proven benefit from the use of naloxone, standard resuscitative measures should take priority over naloxone administration, with a focus on high-quality CPR. Next, let's look at neonatal life support key changes. Newborn resuscitation requires anticipation and preparation by providers who train individually and as teams. Mostly, newborn infants do not require immediate cord clamping or resuscitation and can be evaluated and monitored during skin-to-skin contact with their mothers after birth. Prevention of hypothermia is an important focus for neonatal resuscitation. The importance of skin-to-skin care in healthy babies is reinforced as a means of promoting parental bonding, breastfeeding, and normal thermia. Inflation and ventilation of the lungs are the priority in newly born infants who need support after birth. A rise in heart rate is the most important indicator of effective ventilation and response of resuscitative interventions. Now let's discuss guideline recommendations in education. And this is extremely near and dear to our heart here at Pro Trainings, as we've really truly always believed that having more frequent trainings in smaller bite-sized pieces, when it's most effective for you, in a location most effective for you, was vitally important. There was always too much distance between an initial in-classroom training and your two-year recertification. And it's refreshing to see that the science and the American Heart Association is now also backing this form of online and distance learning that's self-paced and delivered in small booster training sessions. Let's take a closer look at what these updates actually say. First, let's look at deliberate and mastery practice. The use of deliberate practice and mastery learning during life support training and incorporating repetition with feedback and minimum passing standards can improve skill acquisition. Booster training and spaced learning includes three recommendations. It's recommended to implement booster sessions when utilizing a massed learning approach for resuscitation training. It's reasonable to use a spaced learning approach in place of a massed learning approach for resuscitation training. Provided that individual students can attend all sessions separating training into multiple sessions, in other words spaced learning, is preferable to mass learning. So why was this recommendation made? Well, studies have shown that the addition of booster training sessions, which are brief, frequent sessions focused on repetition of prior content to resuscitation courses, improves the retention of CPR skills. Specifically for lay rescuers, the new American Heart guidelines state the following. A combination of self-instruction and instructor-led teaching with hands-on training is recommended as an alternative to instructor-led courses for lay rescuers. If instructor-led training is not available, self-directed training is recommended for lay rescuers. Why was the recommendation made? Well, The American Heart Association guidelines state that studies have found that self-instruction or video-based instruction is as effective as instructor-led training for lay rescuer CPR training. A shift to more self-directed training may lead to a higher proportion of trained lay rescuers, thus increasing the chances that a trained lay rescuer will be available to provide that important CPR when it's needed most. The bottom line is that the latest scientific studies have proven that self-directed training works. The goal of lay rescuer CPR training is to increase the likelihood that people will act and provide CPR when it's needed. In addition, the new guidelines state that it is recommended to train middle school and high school aged children in how to perform high quality CPR. By training school aged children, it will help to instill confidence and a positive attitude toward providing CPR from an early age. In situ training may be beneficial. In other words, Resuscitation education in actual clinical spaces can be used to enhance learning outcomes and improve resuscitation performance. Virtual reality, which is the use of a computer interface to create an immersive environment and a gamified learning, which is play and competition with other students, can be incorporated into resuscitation training for lay persons and healthcare providers. Bystander CPR training should target specific Socioeconomic, racial, and ethnic populations who have historically exhibited lower rates of bystander CPR. CPR training should address gender related barriers to improve rates of bystander CPR performed on women. EMS systems should monitor how much exposure their providers receive in treating cardiac arrest victims. Variability in exposure among providers in a given EMS system may be supported by implementing targeted strategies of supplementary training and or staffing adjustments. Healthcare providers should complete an adult ACLS course or its equivalent. It is reasonable for increased bystander willingness to perform CPR through CPR training, mass CPR training, CPR awareness initiatives, and promotion of hands-only CPR. I'd like to conclude the guideline update with a note on mobile phone technology. The use of mobile phone technology by emergency dispatch systems to alert willing bystanders to nearby events that may require CPR or AED use is now reasonable. The use of mobile phone technology has yet to be studied in North America, but the suggestion of benefits in other countries make this a high priority for future research.
0: Okay, guys, I know that he said a lot of big words, medical terms, etc. Cetera, et cetera, I apologize for that. I listened to it, and I understood it, so I um, assumed that you guys would, too. Hopefully, it didn't get too much into a lot of medical jargon. However, the gist of the whole video and the updates simply states that As a lay person, you should learn CPR. As a lay person, you should be brave enough to um, do something, call 911, and start CPR on a victim. Um, He talked a little bit about the opioid overdosing and getting naloxone. Um, And naloxone is known as Narcan, and you can um, get Narcan um, at your local pharmacy, I think you they'll walk you through how. Excuse me, to get that um, the Narcan in your possession. Um, I always tell my students if they have someone at home who is on opioids who may be confused or may, if they think that they may overdose, that it's a good idea to have the Narcan in the home so that they can reverse the um, the overdose of the pain medication or what have you. And Some states have grant programs where they give the Narcan to uh, those family members or in our patients and some uh, pharmacies will give it to you um, after they collect information and um, um, Have you pay a, a small fee? Uh, also um he they recommended that um when you do cpr that um if you go to a class that when you when the the uh student is um giving the chest compressions on the mannequins that the mannequins give some kind of feedback either a click or lights on the um on the mannequins to show that you are in the proper place and doing the proper chest compressions. My uh, particular mannequins have lights on the shoulders where it lights up green if you are doing it correctly. Um, So he also talked about... See recovering victims after CPR. So, when the ambulance um, takes the, the victim to the hospital and the person is resuscitated and everything appears to be normal, he talked about um, having those um, post cardiac care uh, measures taken and other um, assessments. Um, taking from for um, from the doctors where um, they would come in and assess the patients to see if they're alert oriented and ha- if they haven't lost any um oxygen or um, cognitive skills or um, any kind of orientation because they were a uh, previously deceased I guess you could say so um he talked about the care and support during the recovery of a uh, um cardiac arrest um also, he talked about giving oxygen, so a lot of things um that they don't like for um uh well i don't say i'm not gonna say that they don't like but they've they've recommended that hands only c p r is the best thing that a bystander could do for a victim who they believe is um deceased and that if that person is not deceased then they it wouldn't hurt them you know as as much as they thought that it would however if the person is deceased and you don't do anything that would hurt them cuz they'd still be like dead right so um and so what he was saying was that um when you uh give uh uh that CPR to um either pregnant women they need the breaths so if you have or they would prefer the breaths. so if you have a barrier device it is recommended that you give them some type of oxygen either by mouth-to-mouth with a barrier device or um just make sure you try to get the ambulance there as quickly as possible however that you know um fares out either way it goes um please don't give mouth-to-mouth without a barrier device and that's just the little um uh, the little um mouthpiece that you put over their mouth and then you blow into it or whatever the case may be and now they still do recommend that for babies and children eight years old and under so if you have a child who falls out they still recommend that you give them mouth to mouth with the cpr chest compressions um i will actually put the link of this youtube video in the bio and so that way you can actually click on it and see the whole video over again see he's speaking to you i, I believe it this gentleman name is roy and he is from pro training pro cpr i am an affiliate of theirs i do have the link in my bio where you can actually take the class uh, um it's the link is in my link tree which will be in my bio but you can actually take the class in the comfort of your home um actually the whole course is given to you for free and then if you want this certificate or to, um, prove to your, um, workplace, uh, that you are CPR certified, you will pay 49 99 contingent on which one you picked and print out the certificate and a hard copy will be mailed to you. Before you take the class, be sure that your, um, employer, uh, accepts this particular, um, um, uh, card, um, american heart association is the recommended card worldwide however um pro cpr is is one of the good um, um, it's not an affiliate it's um just another CPR company that is really, really big on making sure that everybody has access to knowing how to perform CPR. I really like them. I chose to be an affiliate with them because they will send you a video every three months, to your email for the rest of your life, basically, without you having to pay for another class, you will still get those refreshers. And so they are really serious about making sure that, um, you, um, get those refreshers. Also is if you take this course, you pay for, you get your certificate, you take it to your, um, your, um, job or whatever. And they say, Oh, we don't, we don't take pro CPR. You can uh, contact pro CPR and you can get your money back 30 day money back guarantee. And, um, they will also issue your employer a letter to tell them what all they, um, do um, related to the guidelines, they do follow American Heart Association guidelines and the I.L.O.C. So um, it's it's basically I I think it's great. I'm I'm sorry I don't I, I don't think I brag about American Heart Association as much as I brag about them just because their information is visible on YouTube. It's visible. It's freely available, and I just think that some things. You should not have to spend an arm and a leg for, but hey, that's just me. Um, um, let's see. Uh, they were talking about virtual reality and gamified learning is um, something that they are starting. And um, gender related barriers to CPR for women. I think mean, we talked about that or maybe i blogged about it i think i blogged about it but either way it goes i think they're saying women don't get cpr um more than men because um, men have are afraid to give cpr they want to they don't want to be accused of being um um indecent or they don't want to be accused of um being um sexual with the woman although she's laying there dead they don't they just don't want to be accused uh, uh, of it at all and so they don't give rescue to women however um we just we really would like for you to know that if there's a woman that's dead and somebody gave up cpr i'm almost 100 percent certain that she would not accuse you of um filling her up if you saved her life now i, I mean i'm gonna say. I ain't gonna say one hundred percent. I'm gonna say ninety nine point eight. I give you that, right? Okay, because it might be a point two somewhere that's really cuckoo for cocoa puffs or something, right? So, but anyways, um, you want to go ahead and like I said before. Uh, if I didn't, I I think I wrote it, but either way, you want to raise that woman's shirt up right with providing her with as much dignity as possible like she falls out she fall dead on the ground right you want to raise her shirt up first you shake her hey hey are you okay then you raise her shirt up make sure there's nothing blocking where your hand will go and then you pull her shirt back down and it can be just as simple as a second right because you want you want to and if there is something a wallet a cell phone um cupcake or whatever you want to take that out of her bra pull her shirt back down and go ahead and perform the cpr as you would a man and so at any rate that is our lesson i made up for today and tomorrow because i am going a little long i don't mean to ramble but the the gist of everything is if you see a teen adult who is unresponsive who's who's laid out and you shaking them, they don't respond, they don't blink, they don't move, they don't do anything. You want to call 911, put your phone on speaker, and then you want to go ahead, put your hand in position, and start chest compression. And let the operator know where you are located so that the fire department ambulance can get there quickly. If the police get there first, they have the mouthpiece uh, devices available. All police officers are required to be CPR certified and they should have a mouthpiece in their car. If you know a CP uh excuse me, if you know a police officer who do not have a mouthpiece or something like that in his car that's provided for him, send him over here, give him this information, tell him to click the link in my bio, and I have an Amazon affiliate link where you can get the barrier device that is in my link as well. So you can get the barrier device from me regarding the the, um, the the mouthpiece barrier, and you can do the CPR at home. You don't have to come to a class, okay? If you have a teen that wants CPR, they uh, also provide um, class for them as well, and it is free for them as well. So, you can go on Pro CPR Training and click that they are a student. I think that they can put their school code in there or something like that, and then that will be free for them as well. But that link is also connected inside of my link. So I bid you all good night. Thank you for stopping by List to listen. Um, hopefully tomorrow I'll be able to um, bring you more information. Um, Maybe we can talk a little bit about the AED, and um, I'm not really sure, but I just want to kind of bring you guys more information about what I, you know, what I know related to CPR. Uh, I, for two years almost, I introduced myself as a nurse educator and a CPR instructor, and I cannot believe that I have not talked about CPR this much. And so either way it goes, uh, I'll be doing that this week. And then I can resume my normal uh, pattern. Hopefully, it'll be a little better. (laughs) Anyways, I graduate in the fall of this year. So, you guys, wish me luck. And I will see you um, hopefully tomorrow. Thanks. Have a good night. Take care. Click the links in my bio. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And share if you know someone who needs this information or need a CPR class. Talk to you soon.